Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you. As always, is Bob live in the lounge for the 150th time. It all started about five years ago. I was listening to podcasts being influenced heavily by Kevin Smith and his Fat Man on Batman podcast. Not watching TV at nighttime, turning in, you know, with my iPad in bed, listening to essentially talk radio. And I said to myself, like, wow, this seems like something I would enjoy. I always loved the aspect of making mixtapes. I always enjoyed the aspect of watching Christian Slater and pump up the volume. I always thought to myself, wow, it would be cool to have my own show. I never thought 150 episodes later that it would still be going strong and I would have people who would want to come on the show. People are now actually sending me emails. Hey, can I be a guest on this show? And uh, I have to say that I am obliged to do so, and I'm very uh, thankful for all the support. Um, Bobcast has become almost like an adjective, a word, a word to describe something, or even an action verb. Um, I, I find that um, it's given me great happiness, and it's also something that I don't think will ever end. And that's kind of cool, because it's like lots of art projects that I've had, they've had a beginning, a middle, and an end. I don't really think I'll quit unless I you know, run out of money or, you know, or, you know, the world should end and the aliens come. I think I'll keep doing this. It's a great way too. like, if you want to start your own podcast, you can go out there and do it. It's a great way to go back and look at yourself through the past in a way that's not necessarily done. You look at yourself in a photograph, you throw up a hashtag throwback Thursday. You're like, oh, this is what I looked like in 2013. To actually go back and listen to yourself when you were 33 or when you were 34 and be like, Jesus, what was I thinking? Or to be like, wow, that was a good point. How did I forget about that? Or to go back and look at some of the guests that I've had on the show. I mean, I can't tell you how nervous I was when I had Jack White's drummer, Daru Jones, first come on the show. I had prepared a whole bunch of answers. I even spoke in a different voice. I was kind of like talking like a, a Walter Cronkite type. Um, you know, Big Data, uh, the guys from Dispatch. You know, it's been it's been a long ride. Um but celebrities, non-celebrities, having your friends on the show and have your friends come in the, into the lounge and talk about cool things like pop culture, talk about spirituality, talk about, um, you know, just how to improve yourself. Uh, you know, next Friday night, uh, December 22nd at the Grape Room, we are going to be celebrating five years of the Bobcast with Kevin Cox, his band, Judah Kim and Assassination, surprise guest stars, Slow Voice, awesome band, super group, Frank Ewing, Steve Schaller. Michael Gordon and company, uh, John Salamon, everybody doing their thing down there. Then we're going to have my friends, a new band that I discovered on the rooftop for Top of the World, Something Divine, bringing in their defunct sound. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a massive celebration, Christmas cheer. I'm offering free admission if you bring a toy. Make sure you bring a toy, Toys for Tots. Uh, if you don't, I am going to charge you $7 uh, as a punishment. And, uh, you know, I may take that money out and I may... Uh, Donate it or I may just like, you know, burn it out back because it's so cold to punish you for not doing the right thing, bringing a toy for a kid in need this holiday season. With that being said, I am excited to welcome my guest for the 150th, 150th episode, somebody who this year who's come on the show and has kind of made it more of a, a weekly thing, which I'm really excited. Please welcome back Mr. Kevin Quinn. hey So we're going to start things off with uh, recapping 2017. It was a really weird year, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, as we do with pop culture, 
We're going to start things off, I guess, with... Um, let's do music first. Sure. So, hey, congratulations on the 150th. I appreciate it. It's awesome, man. It is. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun, and it's different. It's an exciting type of... I can only imagine where we'll be for the 200th episode, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, correction, too. Bobcast can't be an adjective. It is definitely an action verb. But, hey, I am a school teacher. What are you going to do? Um, we're drinking tea. It's cold. It's snowing outside. It's not nighttime. I lied to you. It's the middle of the afternoon as we like to record these things. Um, music this year was very interesting um, for you. Like, what was your highlight? I mean, <clears throat> really, the, the only thing that kept coming back to my mind was... Uh, Weezer released another album, mm-hmm. Pacific Daydreamer. Uh, been a fan of theirs for a very long time. Um, you got tickets to go to the show, right? Yeah, yeah, got two got, shows, right? Aren't they going to be here like next month too? Uh, I don't. They're that one hundred four point five. They're <clears throat> here now, I think, for the, like the one hundred four point five holiday show. If they are, you have more information than I do. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I got tickets for the show for next year at uh, across the across uh, the water there in Camden. Uh, my wife and I went and saw them uh, two years ago when they toured on the White Album. Uh, uh, had seats right up front. It was awesome. It was very interactive. Um, <clears throat> so we got uh, tickets for this this upcoming show off of this of this most recent album. Um, you know they've had like a weird for me at least personally. I thought I kind of feel like they've had like a really weird run of um, music and things that they've done, uh, collaborative things that they've done. Uh, and I don't know if it was them trying to you know stay on the pulse of what's you know what's quote-unquote hip or you know whatever whatever the kids are into right um yeah you know they had like um i feel like they had some collaborations that they did on the album hurley um that just weren't very good i mean they even did um they released one uh, album uh, like a kind of like a bonus album on record store day a few years ago yeah i remember reading about that um and they did some uh some variations of song they did a cover of um green day song which is really cool uh brain stew and then, oh really? Um, I'd love yeah. to hear that. I never heard that. Yeah, it's really good. It's just do they go um, in the jade it too? Do they do <coughs> brain stew? No, no, just brain stew. It's it's mm-hmm. uh, piano uh, and drums, and that's oh, it. Wow. It's really good. That's cool. Um, and then, uh, but they did like a collaboration with like Kenny G. It yeah, was very awkward. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it seems like a good idea on paper, but then yeah, because mm-hmm. um, but you know, give them kudos for trying something. New. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. <clears throat> and then they had on that same, uh, I think it was that same album, or maybe the album after that, they did a collaboration with um, Yeezy, and uh, he was on a track. Yeah, I heard uh, that one. You know, and that, that was okay. Um, but again, you know, I, I like a good collaboration as long as it's done well, but it's, I almost felt like it was forced. And, you know, I hate to kind of, like, take that stance, because Weezer's a band that I, it's been beloved to me for mm-hmm. a very long time. But uh, I just kind of... Felt like they were almost forced to do it. I never saw those guys as being ones to like kind of bow down to what the record label uh, yeah. requests of them. But it felt I mean, very look forced. Look at Pinkerton, for God's sake. Oh my God, it's my one of my yeah. favorite albums of all it's time. It's definitely. I think it's definitely my. It's my favorite album of theirs. Definitely. Yeah. That where I was that time and place for Pinkerton, I can go. Ba- I can listen to that <clears throat> music and go back to mm-hmm. those things. Like when I hear the Good Life, mm-hmm. like there's opening guitar chords. I yep. can feel the uh, 1985 Toyota Tercel beneath. Mm-hmm. You know, I could feel the grip of the steering wheel. Yep. I could feel the noises and the sounds. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean that that's in my def my top five albums of all time, and mm-hmm. it's it's definitely my favorite up in there. of theirs. It's my favorite of theirs also of yeah. Weezer's. Yeah, I even love the album cover. So cool. Oh yeah, and the fact that like it wasn't like widely 
accept it and then like he was embarrassed to play it like mm-hmm. I, I was just like wow these songs are awesome El Scorcho come yeah. on um, yeah so uh, yeah I mean again that was you know the record label just wasn't a fan of, of that uh, that sophomore album for them and they, they got a lot of crap for it but they got the, a lot I mean yeah. the fans loved it I loved it I, I still love it you know and I I got excited when I got to you know as I got older <clears throat> I was actually able to afford to go to a concert right and <clears throat> got to see them live the first couple of times and they actually would play a few songs off of that album. I was just over-the-top excited. You yeah. know? Uh, where did you see them at the Electric Factory? The first time I saw them uh, was over in Jersey, in, okay. in Camden. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was around the, the Twitter time. Center. Yeah. Twitter? It, it was Twitter. Twitter, yeah. Not Twitter. <laughs> it was around the time of, um, I think it was Maladroit. Oh, yeah. It was their fourth mm-hmm. album that came out. Mm-hmm. It was around that time. Two thousand two ish. Yeah, yeah. Around then, that was mm-hmm. like, and that was the first time I saw them. And you know, they've been a band for almost a decade at that point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, this new one, Pacific Day- Daydreamer. Um, uh, it, it almost started to to, it almost <laughs> it almost fell before it took off. If that makes sense. So they released their first single was um, Feels Like Summer, and then they did like a acoustic version of it, and then they did like another version of it. Like they just kept re-releasing the same song over and over again the entire time of as a build-up that got released in october and almost got to the point where i was like what the fuck are they it got released in october of this year the album was but feels like summer single was released much earlier like uh, march or april they love doing that pushing the single months in advance and like the album's not out it's like okay we get it like the consumerism factor is there but but it was like over the top i believe that's probably not weezer's that's the company like you know what i mean yeah. they're still within their record contract i believe i don't yeah, I haven't so. read anything about that but yeah i know what you mean though i've seen that with other artists i'm like okay i can't wait to go buy the album when's the album coming out and right like i go to like the website and it's like like a classic band like uh not classic but 30 seconds to mars put out a song called walk on water and i was like all right i kind of like that song I don't, where's the album yeah and you couldn't get any information online about it because they were still recording it right. it's like what right yeah, so I mean, they, then they did like um, they released a few songs here and there. If you if you pre-ordered the album, you would get little snippets mm-hmm. here leading up to it, so which was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of just really good tracks on it. You know, uh, you know, I feel like anymore you don't really a lot of people don't purchase a full album; they just purchase singles here and mm-hmm. there, you know, off of an album. And I still respect a band that will go to the effort to make a full-length album and, mm-hmm. and release it in that in that in format, that context. Yeah, you know, um, I. I uh, Speaking of two, Eminem's album came out today. I, I just I, I haven't was, heard it, but yeah, it came I, out I listened today. to it last night. Did you? I, uh, I was uh, I listened. To it, I was on the treadmill. I was trying to figure out like if I like it or if I don't like it. It's okay, really, it's really it's different. Okay, you know, um, I I listened. To, I, I first off, I love Eminem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean. Like I, I'm such a fan of his flow because it's so different. Mm-hmm. But now it's so familiar. It sounds yeah. like everyone tries to rap like Eminem. But when yeah. it first came out, when you heard it, you're like, what is yeah. that? It was such a slang, you know, but I mean... Oh, well, Marsh- Marshall good. Mathers uh, LP, the mm-hmm. first LP, is also in my top five. Oh, yeah, that's definitely... Yeah, I mean, that when that came out, that was so controversial. Mm-hmm. Like, people were like, "Yeah, he just said what? He didn't yeah. just say what I thought he did, yeah. right? Like, um, without a doubt. Hey, Weezer and Eminem, that's a collaboration that could work. Mm-hmm. I could hear that. He, I mean, he teamed up with Marilyn Manson back in the day. Yeah. Remember they did uh, yeah. Sweet Dreams, or uh-huh. they didn't do... Uh, you, that's the way I am. I think it was. Yeah, the way I am. Yeah, the way I am. Yeah. Um, well, that was funny. There was a mashup that came out last year. Uh, it was all, you know, just on online. It was um, Weezer and um, 
and Kanye West. Yeah. It was like a mashup mm-hmm. of their stuff. It was pretty good. I actually have a copy of it. God, yeah, man. What a year he had. Uh, you know <laughs> you know what he does that's interesting, though? Like, he had this thing with Tidal, and I believe he had something with, don't quote me on this, with SoundCloud or his Twitter account where, like, he would release a song, but then each week he would release a new version of it because, you know, as a mixer, like, you, you know, you always find a new mix that you yeah. like. Right. But he would sometimes go in and, like, take out, like, parts of the verse, and, like, I, I you know, I, I get that artistry, but it's also, you know... As a musician, I that I would that would I'd be so like I feel like everything got overcomplicated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but yeah, we, Weezer. I, I I didn't um, listen to that whole album, but I did preview most of it on YouTube, and it's something that I've been meaning to to pick up just because you know I love revisiting them in general. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned to you before, the bass player I used to serve coffee and start yeah Starbucks and uh, yeah. Los Angeles, California around Green album. I think it was mm-hmm. coming out. He was super nice and super humble. Yeah. And, like, you know, nobody really knew who he was yet, yeah, but I, think I they, did. You I think know? they just rotated him in then. They right just got it. him right in, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because they had uh, the same bass player, I think, for the for Blue and Who uh, also Pinkerton. had an awesome side project. What was the name of his side project? The, I don't know. The Rentals. Rentals, yeah. The yeah, Rentals. Yeah. I can't uh-huh. remember the song, per se, but, like, I remember being like, that's catchy. And, like, that dude just kind of, like, dropped off. Well, I remember they were talking about um, when the Red Album came out a few years ago. And, uh... There was like interviews and Rivers was talking about, you know, this was the the Red Album was kind of the first one where he actually looked to the rest of the band because, you know, historically, Rivers has been the sole, you know, song creator mm-hmm. of creates all the music and mm-hmm. the lyrics. Um, and then it, he said with the Red Album, it was kind of just like he took a step back and was like, all right, what yeah, do you guys I got? Remember, you know, like, what do you guys have and mm-hmm. bring stuff to the table? And um, uh, Scott was like, uh, there was a song that was on, on, um, only like the deluxe edition of the album mm-hmm. called King, and Scott had brought it back to Rivers and was like, "Hey, this is a you know it was a song that Rivers wrote." But Scott was like, "This is an amazing song. We should really do this on the album." And Rivers was like, "Well, why don't you just sing it?" And then it, that turned into yeah. this like B not a B side on the deluxe edition of deluxe, Scott singing yeah. the song King. It just sounds awesome. Like that's it, another thing too. Deluxe issues, man. They're right. just they're just rap the director's cut, extended cut, deluxe. Yeah, come buy extra product for twenty four ninety nine. I, I had read that this album in particular, though, what, like he was setting up to write something else that was like a, a, a much darker album. And he, I read an interview where it said that he was just in a really good spot in his life of positivity, and the songs didn't reflect that. So he scrapped it and then like wrote this. Yeah, well, it was kind of funny. Like, so they came out with Everything Will Be Alright in the End, and mm-hmm. then the White Album, and then Pacific Daydreamer, like pretty close in succession of each other. Like, um, you know, there was periods of time where there was like a huge gap. Uh, of albums that came out from them mm-hmm. and uh, these seem to be just flowed right yeah. out I think that know? happens a lot with musicians when you get older <clears throat> like I'm starting to notice now because I'm getting older <laughs> that the creativity actually comes a lot more easier whereas mm-hmm. when you were younger it was more contrived and it was more like worrying about what other people think Yeah. when you get older I guess you just, if you're an artist you have the um, I guess like you know you have like the option of just not really giving a shit anymore what other people think and just putting it out there. Yeah. Hence 150 episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Hey-o. Uh Best album for me of the year. It was a hard one. I went through the list last night and I was trying to like, you know, decipher it. But for me, it's a, it was an easy decision once I just went through it and I asked myself the question like, well, which one did I listen to the most mm-hmm. in my car? Because yeah. I, I only have one. Uh, I have an old, I have a 1995 Toyota <laughs> with a, a CD player that, I don't even know what year it's from. It's it's crap, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I make it work because I'm an excellent EQer. But I, I tend to listen to an album for a long, extended period of time if I yeah. really dig it. Yep. 
Um, like I'm talking like every morning, mm-hmm. every night, you yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like I, and I just devour it to the point where it almost like consumes me and it becomes a part of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this artist in particular has been doing, has been doing this to me since I first discovered him in middle school. And I guess in 1992, 93, uh, I remember seeing the song on MTV and I remember asking Ian Cohen, who coincidentally went on to become a music editor who refused to write for downtown harvest after many inquiry letters I sent to him calling him out in a peaceful way. Uh, Ian, um, thank you, though, for uh, giving me that mixtape for Beck. Uh, ah. Loser was the song. Okay. Um, I remember hearing that and being like, I love this, man. This is just me, you know? Mm-hmm. I went to see Beck uh, the Lollapalooza the year after. Kurt was supposed to play at that Lollapalooza, but he passed away. Mm. Uh, Hole was on the bill, and Beck was on the bill. I got a chance to meet Beck, mm. and I didn't really get autographs per se anymore like I did when I was younger but like I remember seeking him out to get the autograph and I remember waiting in line and getting up there and like I had my ticket stuff and I handed it to him and he looked up at me with these bloodshot eyes man he was you know <laughs> Satan's taco eyes you know and like he, he, he like signed the signed the ticket and then he ripped off the back stub and he took the back stub and he opened his coat pocket his like little lapel and put it in there and he's like, this is my receipt, man. What? And I never forget it. I thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing. Like, I turned it around. And like, like, you know, I felt like Ralphie in the Christmas story where, like, he's, like, shuffled out, you know? Like, I felt like I was just, like, experienced something so cool. And I, still to this day, I remember being like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. Goes on through time. Every single album that he's ever put out, from Odelay to Midnight Vultures to Sea Change, all of them combined, I know where exactly I am in my life when I go back and listen to his catalog. Mm-hmm. And then this year, Colors came out, which um, I'm not sure if you've heard the album. It, it, All the tracks, 10 tracks, are just bangers, man. And it's just that fun Beck sound that's come back. But it also is a, has this, like, futuristic sound where it's like you're like going for like a midnight stroll through like the dark streets of Tokyo with somebody that you just met that night you know and like the sounds are just so vibrant and fresh and like I can't tell sometimes if it's a synth if it's a a guitar but the one thing that is consistent is that it's excellent songwriting and I mean I just finally took it out and I think the album came out maybe like in September so like I just started listening to um, St. Vincent too and now she's stuck in there but her album isn't as good as Beck so I'm going to give it to Beck for the year Um, just as uh, um, I know we're not doing like the worst and best you know things but one of the things that really really sucked this year was when I bought the Wu-Tang album thinking that it was a Wu-Tang album it Uh wasn't a Wu-Tang full album it was um, it's packaged as the saga continues oh yeah it's not the saga continues it's the saga maybe continues with a bunch of new people and not all the 36 chambers members like Method Man has gone out saying like oh this isn't I didn't agree. I, like I thought I was just guest starring on this track. I have the album if you want to borrow it. But I mean, like I knew I knew that they released a single. I didn't know they released a full. album. No, it's a full album, oh, okay. and I remember it came out the same day Beck did, and like I got both at the same time. Okay, and I just was like, "What, dude? Like, what is this?" And like, you know what I mean? Like when you listen to hit classic hip hop, it always has like something that stands out where like you can identify with. Like, there's not one track on that album. And it's like RZA gave the producing credits to somebody else. Yeah, um, I mean, I no, so it's th- th- so I've that's, been running through a lot of Wu Tang lately too. No, so it's not even actually it's not even listed on iTunes. Yeah, I just it's, have I just have the one track that I did. The people say where they they guested uh, Redman on it. That's I, that's the most recent that I thought that came out. Yeah, I that, didn't realize it was something that more. may be it. But I, I'll let you borrow the album. But I mean, yeah, that's for, just one for track. me though. Without a doubt, like you know, yeah. Beck, I'm gonna give it to Beck just because I mean, at his age, he's producing art that is. And that's the thing, too, is his music, too. He asks his kids, well, what do you think I should do? And the kids are like, Dad, you have to have fun with it, man. And, like, he, he had released two songs earlier in the year, Dreams 
and wow and wow to me like is like uh the trap beat song like of the summer for me was definitely that it was released before like you were talking about like you know they released yeah, the album. They yeah like, single. this was actually i think it, yeah. dreams and wow may have been released in, like, like six months to almost a year in advance yeah. Because he was trying something new because he's out of his record contract now, okay. which is interesting. He did 10 with DGC Geffen Group, I think. Mm-hmm. And now that he has the freedom to do whatever he wants, sky's the limit. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is cool. I like yeah. that stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying that, like, uh, I don't mean it to sound like people are reinventing the wheel by releasing a single way before the album comes out. Because I know that's been done Yeah, but, uh, but, but it was very strange that, yeah. that Weezer did Feels Like Summer and then it was, like, redone and redone, like, a few times. It just... Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense because it, you know, you start reading threads and it's just that people are like, why do they keep re-releasing the same song? It doesn't make any sense, know. you know. But uh, well, for but you, that's awesome. No, I, 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 I always enjoy listening to Beck when he comes on, but it's not something. He's not an artist that I ever would seek out to mm-hmm. actively listen to. Well, you know, Weezer sure. ninety Weezer and Beck. I mean, we're nineties <clears throat> kids. It yeah, yeah, sure. Same genre. Sure. You know what I mean, I mean, I feel the same way about you know other other music that's from that that era. Mm-hmm. Like I never bought an Oasis album, but I follow their work, and yeah. like I, I'm interested in the sibling rivalry and like yeah, yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah, but yeah. you know, music is the one thing that's always been constant, and I'm still trying to consume it. If it's an album that I really want, I still try to go buy it. You mm-hmm. know, and because I like looking at the stuff and. You know, I think that will eventually just phase itself out. It's so strange when you go to Best Buy now and, like, you go in to get a CD and all the CDs now are combined into just one row. Yeah. There's the rap, hip-hop, like, pop, Mm -hmm. classical, everything in one section. It's just like, man, I remember when it took up, like, seven or eight rows, you know? And, like, slowly, like, and surely... I think that it'll just there'll just be no need to produce it no more and they'll, they'll, they'll call it. Like, they called, like, the, you know, the cassette tape, you know, like... It just will phase itself out, but I mean, I, I you would like you would think that too, but then you know, there's been such a resurgence with like vinyl too that's come exactly. back, so you never but know. Vinyl, yeah, things go away, then come back. Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen now with net neutrality and all the stuff that's going on with that, and right. you know what I mean. I got my neighbor next door. I gotta I gotta change my Wi-Fi because I think he's the password. I gave him the password a while ago. First off, if you're listening to this, he's probably not gonna listen to this, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I love that you play golf all night long, buddy, and your internet's really shoddy. But like, please stop using my internet. I can't watch Netflix in bed. Uh, speaking of Netflix TV, best TV show of the year for you? Uh, for me, I so it was a toss up. So I, I did a few actually because I had a few that I really liked. Okay. Some some were new, and then some were. Um, uh, additional seasons. Okay. So I'll just give yeah, you the we list. Can go, we, we can go with that. Can, yeah, get a list. I'll give you the. I'll just throw it out there. Throw and it out. Tell, tell you what we like. Throw so, it into the ether. So the new, the new ones, new series that came out that I that really hit me was um, uh, Ozark on Netflix, and then uh, Big Little Lies, which was a recommendation oh, from you. Yes. Uh, to watch that, and it's coming back. Yes, I did read that it was coming back, which yep. is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then for. Um, Additional series that came out this year was um, Stranger Things 2, hmm. uh, Better Call Saul 3, and then, uh, you know, Game of Thrones and, of course, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but, yeah, for new shows, I mean, I just I just was re-watching Ozark again uh, this past week, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I... I get. I mean, I get that. You know, or no? Go ahead. You 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 tell me what what you wanna what you wanna jump into. I, I actually, I mean, both of them really. I mean, Ozark had a familiar story, kind of the Breaking Bad thing, but told in a different way. And plus, it also has one of my favorite actors. And I mean, I love Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. I love that he could be dramatic, and I love that he could be in the changeup and be completely hysterical. Yeah. Um, but uh, Big Little Lies, though. I mean, that intro song and like. The, 
the one thing I liked about Big Little Lies is that it had a very um, what's the word to describe it? I guess it would say each episode felt like you were in the middle of like somebody else's dream. They were shot in such a beautiful way too, and like the way that the editing had like and you would see these glimpses of her past and mm-hmm. like these little mystery boxes and like I love that stuff. And plus, I mean, I loved Alexander Skarsgård and True Blood, but I think this was a fine performance by him him being a menacing type of like you know protagonist yeah also too one of the most insane sex scenes ever you know what i mean like i'd never seen anything like that we won't spoil it for the people but i mean like man that was just like whoo dude like intense you know but i i feel as if both of them you know had it and and you know to, to comment too on stranger things season two i mean um i actually have that uh as a like a runner up on my list as well just because when you watch Stranger Things, it's like you're watching like um, like a cultural event. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it feels fresh. Like when The Walking Dead was like at its peak, or mm-hmm. like like right now Stranger Things, like that episode two, uh, season two, episode two was literally one of my favorites of the year. When they go trick or treating and mm-hmm. then he's outside and he looks up and he sees them. Like I was, yeah. I got, I got that feeling that I like when I watch television of just being. I don't know if I'm 38 or eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I am right yeah. now. Yeah, but what do you? What, what's your? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so I, I definitely, I'm feeling the same thing with the Big Little Lies. It was, uh, it just had this like mystique to it, right? The way the story yeah. was told, um, based on a book. Yeah, based on a book. You know, um, I, I, I haven't read the source material, but um, I heard it was very well received, and it was um, interesting. Uh, critics were interested to see how it would translate mm-hmm. onto uh, TV. Uh, it was a recommendation from you. My wife and I did get mm-hmm. into it. You know, not being a parent at first, I'm like, how am I going to be able to relate to this, right? And then With quickly like, you get in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You you get pulled right in because mm-hmm. it's not just about, you know, Somebody uh, the buddy. dynamic yeah. of parents and kids and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a cultural thing, totally, yeah. you know, and you get to see uh, the social classes and how uh, people interact with each other and, you know, mm-hmm. this like elitism and, you know, but I definitely like the, uh, you know, the dream uh, style yeah. of storytelling. It, it reminded me a lot too of like how like Greg Nicotero from The Walking Dead mm-hmm. will do directorial stuff on on that show, mm-hmm. where you're kind of like you get glimpses of things here and there, and you're like trying to like put put the story together. Like it's not just you know A to B, you know. There's like subgroups and like it kind of all formulates together, and you and kind of it's fun to me to watch stuff like that as a viewer. Like not that like you have to feel like you need to be clever to figure it out, but it's mm-hmm. just like it's just a nice journey to go. It's a nice on, journey, you know. Um, and it was only eight episodes, was it? Or was it six? Yeah, it was a miniseries. It was short, yeah. yeah, it was really short. Well, it, it, you know what happened was like they were just they had every in, um, they said to themselves like, hey, this is just going to be a limited series. We're only going to do eight, and we're mm-hmm. done. It's only one book, and it was so popular. Yeah, that uh, Reese Witherspoon, I believe, who was the producer, was just like, hey, is there any way that we could continue the story? And there was so much banter online, like it's over, the story's done. Like, there's so much stuff you could do. Yeah, especially when you bring in new characters. I mean, look what happened with Stranger Things. I mean, yeah, I don't necessarily think that those two new uh, characters in Stranger Things really did much to change the plot, but, I mean, it could, you know what I mean? Like, eventually, but that's the power of, like, new characters on shows. And the ones you love. I mean, I can't wait to see what happens in Nicole... Like, where's like Nicole Kidman, like, you know, like, at now, yeah. you know? No spoilers there for that, because I really recommend that show for anybody who goes out there, you know, is listening right now. And the way that it ends, too, I would, I would totally be okay if that show never came back. And exactly. And just like that, too. Like, I would totally be like fine. Like, True Detective with, like, Season 1, for me, yeah. is the same. <laughs> yeah. If they... They didn't need to do two. No, well, I mean, because again, it was such a hit. It was like they wanted to ride that wave. They, that's that's just the word. When you ride the wave, you, know? you don't make it to shore. You 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 fizzle out. The wave <sighs> crashes on you. 
And Hollywood has never got that. They always think that this is what we got to do. I was excited for season two of True Detective. You know, you got Vince Vaughn. So was I, man. Vince Vaughn. Shit, we did a whole podcast series on it. You can listen to it. We, <laughs> I mean, we covered all True Detective season one, Mickey and I, and then we did yeah. season two. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, we'll spoil this one because it sucked, but I remember when Colin Farrell's character got popped, and I'm yeah. like, holy shit, this is like the beginning of the series. Yeah. Is he dead? And like, we did like an emergency Bobcast on a Sunday night at like 10 o'clock, you yeah. know? And then quickly... Uh, you know, it just fizzled out, you know, like it, it was poor writing. Mm-hmm. And like the thing that was missing for me was that supernatural feel that the first season had. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really supernatural. It just, you know what I mean? Like it had that like dark grittiness to it. And like, what was really scary besides the crow taking out people's eyes? You know what I mean? Like I, Bezzarides was, you know, nice to look at. Um, but I just, I, I know it's coming back too. true detective season mm-hmm. three right now. Um, they're taking their time with it. When they take their... There was Rush, True, True Detective Season 2. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. the dude that was in Moonlight, who also was in House of Cards, um, I can't remember his name, but he's the lead. But okay. hopefully it's good. I, I would personally love to see Woody and McConaughey come back. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's characters, like, I could watch that for, you know? Yeah, well, those... I mean, in the same respect as Jason Bateman, you know, uh, Vince Vaughn is one of those guys, too, that he can do comedy, he can do drama. He's mm-hmm. pro- I think he, I feel like he's proven himself to be able to do both. Yeah, and As well great. as Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. He can do comedy, he can do drama, you know? He's, yeah. he's just uh, well-rounded that way. All those guys. So I was excited when, when they I heard Vince Vaughn was going to be in season two. Now, my yeah. apprehension was Colin Farrell, you know? Like... He's been he's one of those guys that like he's been in some really good movies, but like he's not like the best actor, you know. It's strange how like it it can fluctuate between good and bad, you know. But um, Mm -hmm. I I guess uh, so. What would you say from those three ones you listed there? Which one's your favorite of the year? You gotta you gotta knock Uh, two out because I have three as well. Well, really, well, I mean, so uh, you know the the returning series are always you know always in there like better call Saul was such a early on in the in the year i think a mm, lot of people boy, forgot yeah. about it but it's just such an amazing show it's not a breaking bad continuation it. it's a prequel i, I only mean, watched two episodes really yeah. i i think it's so clever it's you know if if, if well, first off gillian or vince right Gill- vince gillian. Gillian, he's yeah. awesome if if yeah. you to me that one of the greatest things about uh uh Breaking Bad was not just that like the action and like the the things that Walt got himself into or how to get out mm-hmm. of shit, but it's just like how clever the writing was, and yeah. that's you know why I'm such a fan of The Wire, how clever the writing is. Um, you take the same writer from that and throw him into you know uh, shaping and developing mm-hmm. um, you know um, Saul, and you could see his evolution mm-hmm. of you know Jimmy McGill all the way into Saul Goodman. Yeah, you know, and it, you get little you get little that? glimpses. Yeah. You get glimpses of him now. You is get, he still working at the um, the um, uh, what's it called? The Honey Bun or uh, Cinnabon? Yeah, is he still working there? Well, yeah. The, so the joke was in uh, in Breaking Bad, and that's why I love too, like the tie-ins. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of a nerd that way. I love the tie-ins of different things too. Like uh, one of the lines that um, Bob Odenkirk said in Breaking Bad was that his character. Would uh, if he went in witness protection, he'd end he up would working work in a fucking in, Cinnabon, yeah, in like, Minnesota, Missouri, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then each season of Better Call Saul starts with Jimmy McGill working in a Cinnabon. <laughs> so oh, it's wow. the future. Yeah. It's beyond Breaking Bad. Is every cool. every so season that, that opens is, is the future beyond Breaking Bad? Yeah. Right. I, I, that's the one aspect. I mean, first off, Breaking Bad, one of the mm-hmm. all time best shows ever. Yeah. My wife was just <clears> commenting on it last night. She was saying about like how like. It's fun you know, like when something comes on, but it's never the same as that one moment when you first saw it for the first time. Yeah. And like I remember like 
I think I might have like watched a few episodes of Breaking Bad, and it, I just realized this is so good that yeah, I got to yeah. bring you in, yeah. wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'll have to check it out though. Yeah. So I mean, so so Better Call Saul. So you're gonna go with that? Yeah. No, no, no. Better Call Saul. I just wanted to comment mm-hmm. on it. I just want to have that little discussion. I'd probably say overall. Because it was a new series, I'd say Ozark was probably my favorite out of those. I agree with that just because, I mean, that was definitely binge-worthy. And also, it had familiar aspects, but it didn't waste no time. And that's the one thing I like about Ozark. It starts, and it starts quick. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, you're, you're on the run with him. Yep. And uh, you feel the stakes are high. Yep. So I agree with that. Um, good yeah, choice. Very, very fast-paced. Uh, mm-hmm. The story did not leave me thinking, like, where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. The entire time, it was like, go, go, go. Um my only issue with like the comparisons to Breaking Bad, I get it because of the drug element to it, mm-hmm. but I think the the huge difference was Breaking Bad was Walt. You took like a, this ordinary guy who was stuck in a shitty situation of life and death, and he had to figure out a way to provide for his family. You take this really intelligent guy, and he comes up with, "I'm going to sell crystal meth, or I'm going to yeah. make crystal meth to sell to support my family." And you just see him fumble his way through it. Yeah. The huge difference is Jason Bateman. He's a money launderer for a drug cartel. He knows very well what he's doing. Right. They yeah. get they show a flashback episode ten years prior of him getting. Into mm-hmm. it, right? But like four or five. When you minutes. jump into the series, yeah, you're like in. within the first, you know, first that first minutes. episode, you yeah. know, uh, not to spoil anything, but you're thrown right in, and you get to see the consequences of when you do the wrong thing uh, to those people. Great supporting cast too. Oh, the girl, huge. the girl that leads the um, trailer park boys. She's awesome. Oh, Ruthie, yeah, Ruthie, killer, oh, awesome. I do believe that um, Ozark is filming right now, season two. Okay, which would be cool. Um, my list is uh, slightly different, but um, I'll just give you uh, three to. Well, I'll tell you all three, and then I'll tell you which one I like the most. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mind Hunter on Netflix. Um, okay. I, David Fincher. I love David Fincher. I think one of in my top five favorite movies of all time is Seven. Uh-huh. I love the way he films. Yeah. I love the way it looks. Yeah. I love the fact that Mind Hunter. Great. I mean, like it was great juxtaposition. In other words, like I'd be watching a, a TV show about serial killers in the evening and then going to teach first grade in the morning. <laughs> I, you know, it was like the perfect balance right. of dark and light. Right. But I mean, regardless of that, uh, all kidding aside, fantastic writing and it's slow. It's a, it, it's it's more of a um, TV show about why people are so bad and trying to figure out that aspect rather than showing it. And I feel like of a lot of shows, they they um, they go so much towards, you know, like the gore. There's a little bit of gore, but awesome writing um second one i mean like stranger things season two look it had as a couple a lot of people didn't like the episode that went off uh and told her story when she visited chicago oh, i like that me too i love the van i love the 18 reference but for me like leading up to warriors. season two yeah warriors come out and play um i just the whole year when they released that first trailer with michael jackson's thriller and uh-huh. the biking and yeah. like you know, like the dude spitting out the beer at the party and the way the trailer moved and the dancing. I was, I was wrapped up at, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as I watched the show, yeah, as we got towards the tail end of, like, you know, the episodes, I also thought uh, nine episodes was a little uneven. I thought that they could have made it eight. Um, not a perfect season by far, but definitely it's got my interest. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I love David Arbor. I, I love his little dance. Mm-hmm. It's become a little gif meme yeah. on the internet now. It's Friday, dance like, you know. But... Hands down, my favorite of the year, and um, I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, but uh, it's on Hulu. They're filming season two right now. When I first discovered this, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be enjoying this because it, the, I mean, the title itself leads you to believe that it's about something that took place hundreds of years ago. Uh, the TV show I'm talking about for me that was the best of 2017 without a doubt is The Handmaid's Tale. It has 
I don't even know how to describe the show. I, I wanted to do a whole podcast series on it, but I was just too enamored with it to the point where I wanted to talk about it because I just kind of wanted to experience my, myself. Like, my wife and I were just so into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it has great camera work. I mean, the cinematography is through the roof. Uh, she is fantastic in it. And uh, Dad Braining Out, I didn't write her name down. I'm sorry. I think it's... Uh, uh, I'm not going to misquote myself here on the Bobcast. She was For her 150th time. <laughs> uh, she was on Mad Men. I remember her. If, if okay, it's the Google. right actress I'm thinking about. She was in. What's the uh, lead actress's name in The Handmaid's Tale? She was in Girl Interrupted. She was. The Handmaid's Tale actress is Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Okay, Google, stop. I, it, and there's so. Have you seen it? No. Okay, you, I won't spoil yeah. anything then because that's the next one. You like Big Little Lies. You're yeah. going to love Handmaid's Tale. Oh, God, it's so good. But I mean, like. Where it leaves you, and without spoiling, I would just say, like, it leaves you in a state of limbo of just being like, I want to go follow, like, I want to be in this world to just see what happens. And the dialogue is just fresh. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, you know, like Handmaid's Tale, you think of, like, you know, like, you know, like uh, old fashioned hundreds of years ago things. It takes place in modern times, and I guess what you would call, like, a, almost like a post apocalyptic scenario. So for me, without a doubt, 2017 Handmaid's Tale, can't wait to see season two. Um, moving on okay. to our pop culture dial. Um, I guess the last thing would be, um, what was your favorite movie? Oh, um, <clears throat> there was a toss-up for me, too. So, uh, of course, I went uh, the fun way, right? The fun action kind of comedy mm-hmm. way. And then the other uh, side of it was kind of the creepy horror kind of Give way. me a moment. So, my, two t- my top mm-hmm. two were uh, Thor, uh, Ragnarok. Oh, I didn't see it yet. And uh, in It. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. I'm watching It tonight Are you? for the first time. Yeah. Okay. So those were my those were my top two. So I thought mm-hmm. Thor, you know, it's kind of you know it's it's already built in. You Don't know. tell me no spoilers, yeah, I'm a huge no spoilers. Fan. Yeah. I can't go to movies no more with being a dad. I did see. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you later. Go ahead. So I mean, Thor, you don't really have to, uh, you know. You don't need to see the others. No, there's a lot of cool. uh, it's there's there's a lot of fun. It's a lot of comedy mm-hmm. in it. You know, it's just a good big screen type of movie. And the Hulk a lot speaks. of action. Hulk is in it. You know, mm-hmm. I do really like Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of evolved with that character uh, as the. Uh, you know, the uh, Marvel Universe has been expanded, you know. So and just, now it's, and, not to interrupt you, but now, yeah. just as yesterday, it got even bigger. The Fantastic Four, X-Men, the World of Mutants, Disney acquired um, Fox. Okay. So all wow. Deadpool, Wolverine, now they're all going to be in, in Marvel movies. The talk of the town, obviously, is Hugh Jackman. Yeah. You did Logan. Right. But he has been quoted before saying that, you know, I, I'd come back if I could fight, like, Spider-Man and the Hulk. Yeah, and uh, that could happen now. Sure, they could. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they would do some type of, uh, you mm-hmm. know, crossover there for sure. No, it wouldn't be a crossover. Well, no I'm saying it'd like, be, yeah, it, and they Marvel couldn't even call them mutants. <clears throat> right, they weren't allowed. They called right. them Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Nobody gave it, you know. Yeah, but Thor though, I, I love the uh, that it's got like from what I read, it has lots of uh, comedic yeah. elements to it. It's oh, yeah, fun, it was right? So fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just a good all around movie. Um, and then my other one was It, mm-hmm. you know, which, again, I won't spoil for you, but uh, I, I thought it was a lot of comedy in that, too. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mike, from, Mike from Stranger Things, yeah, Finn, he, he's in it. And uh, I just thought he, he really just crushed a lot. Of, every scene he was in, I thought it was just mm-hmm. amazing. He stole like, pretty much every scene. You know, obviously, oh, he's it goes to the, the writing, too. too, but, yeah, his acting is just on point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit different from, like, the shy kid that we see in Stranger Things to you know, uh, this role that he's in. But, you know, it wasn't... I, I don't feel like it was it, scary. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't scary. It was more of um, just like a reimagining kind of updated version of something that w- 
was already yeah, there. Remember, so, yeah. but it was a good re- reboot in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, and uh, I just thought it was kind of creepy. Like there was parts of it where, like, you know, like kid kids, kids in jeopardy, not kids in jeopardy, kids that are like. You know, like kid zombies or like kids that are like in horror stuff, like always kind of like has a spot of me. I'm like, oh boy, what's gonna happen? Like, yeah, that, that is more scary to me than like you know some uh, adult person like walking into a barn and getting pitchforked or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a kid in jeopardy, yeah, kid in, in, jeopardy, a, in a yeah. san- scene like that will always kind of supernatural like, elements to come along with it. Yeah. yeah, and also, I mean, Pennywise the clown is played by uh, Alexander Alexander Skarsgård's brother. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is cool. Yes, he's got creepy eyes. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And here he uses him. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's good. You'll enjoy yeah. it. I enjoyed it. I think you will. Uh, think Stephen, King, Stephen King, yeah, pretty much. Stephen King gave it um, two thumbs up, too, right? Like, he was mm-hmm. like, this is the version that I like, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he was pleased with it. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um, super excited. Um, what do you got? What was on your list? Um, for me, um, well, I, I'll just give you the three, and then I'll tell you my favorite. So, uh, The Big Sick, which I just saw recently... I, I had read about it. It had a really high percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I do like Judd Apatow um, films. One of my favorite films is Funny People. Um, this film is about um, a, a, a man who is being forced into marriage. Uh, he is, uh, I believe he's from, I think he's Iranian. I can't remember. But like it's, it's a type of situation where you know, families like fix the marriage. They're Muslim, and he meets a, a white girl that he falls in love with. And um, I can't go into specific details about it because it will spoil it for people out there. But if you want a movie that's uh, funny, romantic, great date night movie, mm-hmm. it really blew me away. Second movie, uh, it got an F on um, CinemaScore, and uh, audiences all around the the country were just raving about how much they hated it because mm. it was so cringy and... Um, just something that wasn't a cinematic experience that they want to ever go back to again. I just got a chance to watch it a few nights ago uh, and made the list just because I haven't been able to get it out of my head. Mm. It's it's so disturbing. It's Mother by Darren Aronofsky uh, with Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Oh, okay. Um, another film, too, where I can't really tell you what's going on, but I can tell you this, Bobcast listeners. The last 30 minutes of this film will destroy you. Huh. You will be at the edge of your seat, and you will be like, oh, my God, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And then as you start to decipher the plot in your head, you're like, holy shit, that was smart. You know? Mm. And a lot of people didn't like it because it, it's not a movie. It's a cinematic experience, which okay. is like the kind of thing that I'm starting to get more and more into, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, I yeah. love The Black Swan. Um, he did a movie back in the day called Pi about a mathematician who goes insane that I, I was totally influenced by. I love his shooting style. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, though, in this role is just like... You really just you feel like you're in her shoes, and like I said, I couldn't like what happens in that last thirty minutes. I can't stop thinking about it, man. Mm. And I'm just like, what the? F-? And it's also mother with an exclamation point at the end of it. I believe is the proper uh, title, but I mean, it, it's not the type of film. I don't like. I, I might have watched like the last thirty minutes again just because I needed to experience it one more time. But I'm not sure if I can ever watch it again. Hmm. So it made the best of list. But it also made the most disturbed <laughs> list okay. for me because it, okay. like it's definitely in that category. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me though, favorite film of the year just because I had followed it for the longest time because I got obsessed with the the, the verbiage of it um, and just the whole uh, mystery behind the film is uh, the Disaster Artist by James Franco. Uh, Washa, here we come. Uh, it's the film of uh, uh, it, he made a film of the film The Room, which was uh, written, directed, produced. Everything by Tommy Wiseau. And um, The Room, 
I, I actually got a chance a couple weeks ago to go to the, the Ritz and watch it with a live audience. It is um, uh, the world's new Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, it saying. is a very uh, you know interactive experience, mm-hmm. and like I just want to go. Like when I was watching the Disaster Artist, I just was like, man, I can't wait to see the room again. Yeah, because it just makes it such mm-hmm. a fun experience, and like the funny stuff that happens. But James Franco has always been somebody that I've admired. I like. I was thinking too, like at the beginning of the Bobcast, how Rivers and James Franco were very similar. They went to school. And they didn't need to. They yeah. do weird avant-garde stuff. Yeah. James Franco puts out films nobody sees, and he puts mm-hmm. out other films that you know. I mean, 127 Hours. Have you seen 127 Hours? No. Oh, another. Oh, yeah, so yeah. good. Like it, it's just him. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he really sells it. But what I, I like the gym one time, and he was on like a soap opera. I'm like, yeah. is that fucking yeah. James Franco? So yeah, exactly. So <laughs> was, he. I forget what the show was. It was, it was General just, Hospital. Yeah, it was just on the uh, like, the day. He, he just signed. He, he was actually in film school. Yeah. And I think it was a part, like a part of an assignment or something where he's like, I have to go do something new. <laughs> oh, let me go try to do a soap opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, he loved, loved it because like you when I mean, you film soap operas, like you go to the movie set and all the lights are on a grid, whereas when you're on movie set, they have the takes a couple hours to set up all the lights yeah. so they'd just be like one, two, three, four, all the lights and then they would, I think he filmed like some some word of like uh, maybe 12, 15 episodes all in one day and like he's memorizing these lines yeah. and uh, it's funny I think from his experience at General Hospital and like memorizing all that dialogue he had to read for 127 hours which went on to uh, be nominated for Oscars he had to read uh, this big monologue for the director and like uh, you know, it take most people a couple of hours, but apparently Franco like went into the room for ten minutes. Was like I'm ready to go, and then he came in, delivered it, and yeah. shook, the director shook his hand. He's like, "You're in." And he ended up getting the But all. what I love the most about the disaster artist is it's, it, it shares my vision of like you know, art everywhere, and like how people you know sometimes like you know people tell you your whole life like you know like you're not good. Mm-hmm. you're never going to make it yeah and then the power the will to survive and like tommy's story of like how tommy you know everyone told him like there's not in a million years but mm-hmm. after that and like you know he he just never gave up and like the film you know people at first they didn't receive it the way he thought he would like he, he's making a dramatic movie that is it's terrible you know it's yeah. terrible but yeah. people find happiness in it and it's also the story of two best friends and there's something to be said about like friendship and like uh, when you like set out to like achieve a dream, it feels better when you have somebody go with you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's weird too because mm-hmm. it's like you think that your dreams are only in your mind, but it's like you can share a dream. Mm-hmm. And when you share a dream, where does that like you know like where does that energy go? So for me, like you know, I can't wait to watch the Disaster Artist when it comes out on Blu-ray. I'm definitely going to try to go next month. The the room is coming to Regal Cinemas at midnight, I believe, in certain places. It, it is a fun time, ladies and gentlemen. I mean. Throwing plastic spoons at the screen, footballs are flying, <laughs> uh, language that is not for uh, children happening. Um, it's four four sex scenes that are <laughs> literally just one of the funniest things like to imagine. But I won't spoil any more of that. Um, so for me, yeah, that's the the, the I guess the pop culture um, elements of uh, the best of 2017. Uh, for you, I, w- I would ask um, before we uh, we recap uh, the Walking Dead which we've been doing the last uh, or the first eight episodes of this tremendous season. Uh, um, <laughs> you well, sounded very glib. <laughs> it's one of my favorite words. I'm bringing it back here in the Bobcast. Matt Lauer. Call back. Um, what would you say was the most lo- life-changing event for you this year? Oh, life-changing event? Oh, Jesus. Um, you want me to take it while you uh, yeah do that right. so I, for me it's definitely going to be like I was a stay at home dad for about a year and three fourths 
of a you know a whole I had to go back to work so I mean like that was I mean I I guess this I didn't realize like how special those moments were until I guess January to August like the, for between the months of January and August being able to spend time with my son not have to worry about uh, money thanks to my wife um, and just being able to provide for him experience him grow up watch his world happen gave me a total new sense of appreciation towards towards like what life really is about and like I just I really do believe it like you know like our DNA is to uh, take care of your loved ones provide for them feed them clothe them and you know everything else that we like put into it like the you know the podcast the social media you know Christmas trees anything you see around you here I mean like it's all just pretty much trivial it's all comes down to you know human relationships and stuff like that and I, I I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to have that experience and then going back to work and then you know I, I, I uh, left the French school uh, two years ago and then I went back and you know it definitely made me appreciate that time so I mean like for me 2017 like the you know like from January to August some of the best times ever dude yeah, yeah without doubt yeah I mean so <clears throat> we I, I've done a lot of things this past year a lot of firsts but I guess the biggest thing that kind of stands out is my wife and I became uh, LuLaRoe consultants mm-hmm. so we uh, we sell LuLaRoe uh, I see you out there I don't see yeah. the live videos no more uh, we took kind of took a break from it for November. Yeah. Just I like because, you were doing it. Yeah. So well, she my wife broke her toe, so yeah. she's been uh, on the crutches. But we had so many events, and then we were on vacation November. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a wash. Tell um, everybody out there exactly what it is, though. So Lularoe is a clothing line started in um, California uh, by a uh, group of. Mormons, I believe, is the really? family. Yeah, if, if I'm misquoting the history of it, I, I apologize. But essentially, LuLaRoe will um, create a, a specific print uh, of material. Uh, they do 5,000 of those uh, prints. It could be different items. Oh, they're limited. Shir- yeah, from shirts to mm-hmm. leggings to sweaters, you know, um, whatever it is. And then there are consultants that are across the country that sell the, uh, the clothing. So as a consultant, We'll place an order for um, specific uh, sizes um, and a specific item. We have no choice on the style that we get. So we could get a print, you know, that everybody wants and it's hard to find, or one that nobody wants and we'll sit in our inventory for a couple wow. of years. So, um, but uh, the the one good thing about it too is that you know there are a lot of consultants in our area right now where we live geographically, but. Um, we all have different items in our inventory, so mm-hmm. it's not like you're, you know, going to. I'm going to buy that green shirt you're wearing, but nobody else in this area may have that shirt at all. You may mm-hmm. only have that one and that one size, and if it fits you, then you're in luck. If no, not, then cool. it's not like there's multiple like of the same hunter. thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it started. My wife was just a, you know, consumer, and uh, she was in a lot of groups, and you know. Um, girl I went to high school with Melissa Fanders and uh, is a consultant mm-hmm. and started uh, buying some stuff for my wife as like gifts and things here and there mm-hmm. and uh, you know decided hey let's be consultants Melissa's our sponsor and here we are we've been doing it uh, almost six months now or just about six months yeah uh, I, actually I've been to your house so I've seen the shop downstairs yeah. it's pretty cool yeah lots of clothes I didn't know though at first that the, I mean like I heard there was like it was like all leggings but then some of the stuff you were showing for the for the men's, I thought was cool. You know, like there's some cool designs. Definitely, like the fabrics you're talking about. I remember it was like this green shirt that I really liked. It was like Swamp Thing type look or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's sh- there's different styles of shirts. I mean, they do have some things mm-hmm. that men can wear, but I mean, 
I wouldn't personally wear them. I just that's not my style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I enjoy it. It's something I, that we do together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the um, you know I, I like I enjoy the you know the thrill of the, thrill, uh, yeah. the sales part of it. You know my wife's site is Liz Quinn Lularoe uh, on Facebook. If you want to come check it out on the Instagrams. Um, but yeah, it's something we've been doing for. Almost six months. It's a lot of work that goes into it, but we enjoy doing it. That's, I like it. Yeah, yeah I, I look forward to more stuff. I like the live videos. Definitely bring yeah, them back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, as 2017 comes to an end, um, so does, uh, I guess, one of our favorite shows. I'm so on the fence with this anymore. <laughs> it's become more and more, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't know how I feel, per se, but I know I'm still going to watch. I know I'm going to tune in. Uh, every year around this time, The Walking Dead takes its uh, winter break. Um, spoilers out there if you haven't watched The Walking Dead and you made this far in the podcast. Good luck for you. But um, you know the big reveal at the end: Carl got bit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Carl Papa. Uh, I, I don't think the last time we spoke that we saw that coming. Big Papa. Yeah, where's no? You know? I mean, he. Uh, I mean, I anticipated a death. Sure, sure. I thought it would be, you know, father. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was going to be, like, something that was expected, per yeah, se. Yeah, But it was shocking. But let's start at the beginning of the episode. Let's let's talk about, like, how we led up to this. Because it... Yeah. There's so much stuff going on in this episode that I just... I, I, some of it I can wrap my finger around. Some of it I'm just like, why did they include this scene? Yeah, I mean, for the most part of it... Uh, for the most part of it, I don't want to say it the way. Uh... I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was uh, mm-hmm. fantastically written uh, as far as the storytelling goes, uh, the, the drama, the suspense. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of was like hoping, for, like, what's going to happen next? You know, but again, there was a couple scenes where I'm like, what? Like, Oceanside like, for me. Yeah, the Enid and yeah, Aaron. I, I don't care. Car driving scenes, yeah. Um, it's the worst when I watch it with my wife because she makes fun of me. She watched the first 20 minutes. She's like, really, Bob? Really? <laughs> I'm just like, uh uh-huh. <laughs> Well, you got the heapsters, you know, again, are she watches it, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, anytime yeah. she watches it, it's yeah. always when those episodes are on where yeah. it's like, it's it's not the cheesemaker episode, you know what right. I mean? It's like deep, you know, like yeah. uh, profound shit. It's like uh, them talking in the car, really poorly written dialogue, and then like her like just shooting some old woman that has no context for stuff, you know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, yeah, like if she saw the, um, uh, was it last season, two seasons ago when Tyrese dies? Yeah. Like, it's just such a well-written, directed uh, episode. But uh, anyway. Yeah, um, I love the non-linear storytelling of that episode, too. Oh, yeah. Like how you don't know who's dead mm-hmm. in the burial. And yep. you, somebody died previously. There was two deaths back-to-back. Death, yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you get the heapsters retreating again when they he, they go to the sanctuary with Rick, and then he they, you know, quickly turn and run. Um, made no sense. You start to see the glimpses. You know, it, it all kind of, you know, we still ties don't know the plan, though. No, but you see that. Uh, I meant the glimpses that uh, Carl is, you know, gonna die mm. uh, through the end of the episode. You know, you see him like giving that kind of moral speech to Rick when they're and this is uh, the flashback was episodes previous episodes ago when they encountered Sadiq for the first time. Yeah, episode six, right? So if you want to go back and see if Carl got bit. I remember. Did I say something? I didn't go back. Well, no, no. Did when, I say something when, to you about that? Yeah. Did Carl get bit? You did. You did. Right? You did. But when Carl and Rick mm-hmm. first inter- were first encountered Sadiq, and mm-hmm. they, Rick shoots over the head, that's them wa- leaving that scene yeah. in the beginning. And Carl's like, "Well, we need to figure out what we're going to do beyond this because, you know, uh, there's going to be there's going to be aftermath of this." Mm-hmm. And Rick's like, "What do you want to pick strawberries with Negan?" And yeah. you know, and and, and kind of Carl takes a stance of like, "No, but something has to happen. Like yeah. we need to move on something somehow. Is, we have to move forward change, from yeah. here. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but that's that's how we uh, that's how we live on as we move forward from this. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, oh." 
Moral compass. Yeah, he's Carl's dead. Carl's a moral compass. He's dead. Yeah, yeah so. out of nowhere, seamlessly, too, because like for a while, Carl was like off the rails. Yeah, Carl was like, I'm going to kill Negan. Yeah. This is it. I'm, I'm going to go go get the back of the truck. I'm going to, yep. you know. Yep, and I'm going to do what Jesus I want. Jesus making mm-hmm. the trail of Hershey syrup so mm-hmm. he can get back. <laughs> but, I mean, like, yeah, that... I, I knew that mo- but I didn't like in my mind I knew something was up but I couldn't you know I couldn't see it happening yeah you know yeah well I've rewatched where the hell it. does Rick go from here I don't know I mean here's the thing though like, let's just get it out of the way right spoilers alert um whispers right whispers are basically humans who are dressed up as zombies to survive and from what I gather and don't tell me because I'm just trying to like decipher this the whispers start to behave like walkers, so that way they can become more like the walkers. Maybe they eat flesh. Maybe it's not a walker bite. Maybe it's a whisper bite, and Carl's still alive. And all this shit that's going on, on the internet with Carl's dad saying, uh, F you, Scott Gimple, you firing my son before his 18th birthday is all just a facade. And like we, we've also we've been essentially Glenn Dumpster duped again. Uh... <laughs> So, I mean, I guess that could be a possibility. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't appear to be that way, though. I know. Simply because Sweat. the way that he's been acting. Like, he was limping a lot after uh, ne- after Negan showed up at Alexandria. And I yeah. thought it was just because he jumped down off the wall, and that's why he was limping. But it was a really poor looked, limp, though. He looked pretty banged up. Shout like, out to Liz. Yeah, <laughs> as the lip was happening, I was just like, "Liz is probably just like, oh my god, get rid of this guy." Yeah, no, she's been uh, she's been uh, Carl hater for a long time. Yeah. I don't mind Carl. I think he's been through such a lot as a character. Yeah. I mean, and they even referenced me, and that what leads me to believe that he really is going to be off the show too, because Negan even references it like a, as an homage to like the things that Carl's been through. Like he even mm-hmm. had to kill his own mom, you know. And mm-hmm. um, that was a great interaction sh- between the two. Oh, of the it's amazing! You know, I um, love watching when he's like, "Damn, son, I thought we we're having a moment." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he stops Negan in his tracks yeah. when he's like, he "Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I'm ready to die. Like, if yeah. it has to be this way, like, then looks up at him. Like, yeah, that, he I just know. has that look. Like, I can't believe this is actually happening because he, he's usually like, "All right, people are going to be scared." I mean, he's always been intrigued by mm-hmm. Carl. Like we've, he's been no. Well, we as no, we know, spoilers. He was a gym teacher, so he's taken. He always has interest in kids, right? And um, I mean, this isn't a kid like he's never met before, but, right? You know? Well, he's never hidden a the true fact survivor. That he, he's never hidden the fact that he's like intrigued by Carl and mm-hmm. he likes Carl. And uh, in the books, I mean, from what I gather, they start to develop a relationship as it fast forwards. Which, yeah, I see. That's just the thing. It was like the plot. I, I don't know. I mean, would Gimple dupus again? I'm sure they probably that would for sure little... because it gives you something to talk about. They're always yeah, like they always want they really the, do. They always want to end the mid season or the season mm-hmm. on a we want people to talk about this. We want exactly what happened yeah. at the end of um, uh, season six was that you know you didn't know who Negan killed, even though in the comic it tells you who he killed. Yes. Uh, yeah. You weren't really sure on what was going to happen, and it was definitely a water cooler. We didn't see you know, well. Yeah, that's moment. the thing too is like characters shift. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like Denise. Uh, went out the same way Abraham went out, yeah. right? So yeah. so much different stuff, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I mean, I, I how about Dwight in this episode? <sighs> Dwight, man. Yeah. He's. Uh... I thought he's gonna die, man. First off, I mean, he le- like you know, like Daryl's in the bushes with a couple guns, and all these saviors are coming. Yeah. And they take him out like that. Like four people take out yeah. what two hundred people look like. I mean, like what? Yeah. But the like, Dwight's like, I let them in, I yeah. let them in. Right. But I did like when Daryl ripped go. off the jacket. Yeah, though. I was like, all right, back. cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And then they cut like right there. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the way you told me about Austin at the um, 
the Walker mm-hmm. Walker Stalker con. Yeah. Maybe I just don't like him anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I think he spoiled young kid who's you know what I mean like got himself into like a great role. I don't know, man. He's very he, he was just very like hey, matter of fact, all right, boom. Mm-hmm. What were you here for? Then later. You know? Yeah, I was like, all right. I mean, Chris, Josh, De- Josh McDermott was very friendly. Yeah. He talked to everybody that came up. It's to funny because I, I watch a lot of his stuff. Like, well, he was on social media heavily, then he quit because of trolling. Yeah, but um, Eugene, I mean, like Jesus, Eugene, like it's so hard to understand him. But like him questioning whether or not he did the right thing, and then you know leaving the key. I did leave the keys also. Like you know, like all that shit. Like him and father in the dock trying to get the dock out. Yeah. And also, too, we don't know how we got him out. I guess I, many people speculate that he fixed the um, intercom system with inside the Savior's compound. But, you know, like, all that stuff where, like, we're not finding out the information, that shit bothers me, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to know, man. I don't want to wait till February to find out what Rick's plan was. Tell me Rick's plan. Because then if you're going to show uh, Carl Bitt after Rick's plan has failed, it has more weight. Yeah, well, it definitely involved the sanctuary being surrounded by the walkers for a period of time in order for them to regroup everybody and get back to get the sanctuary back, yeah. and do another attack, mm-hmm. which Daryl blew out of the water. Yeah, again, Daryl's masculinity and uh, stubbornness has gotten people killed on the right. show. You see him questioning. And my too, brother like, texts me that. Yeah, did, like, I, did, you know, did I? Was this my fault? Yeah. Was this my fault? Rosita's just like, eh, we all make mistakes. It's yeah, like, no, that's it. a pretty big fucking mistake. Yeah, like, you just got, yeah. Him and Tara, like, went in to, you know, blow a hole in the side of the wall of the sanctuary, thinking that, like, yeah, we'll just let the walkers in. Like, no, no, no. The walkers were set Mm -hmm. strategically on the outside so they couldn't get out. I mean, they followed Rick's plan uh, at Alexandria almost to a tick. People Mm -hmm. died, you know, the balloons, the RVs. But now people don't want to listen to Rick no more. And I wonder, Mm -hmm. does that have to do with the fact that he didn't listen or he allowed people to die when he just let Negan walk all over him, you know? And he was, like, killing people. Maybe that's it. But, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I think I think Rick does come back from Carl being bit and dying simply because he's got Michonne now. Um, you know, he uh, uh, when Lori died, you know, he was already estranged from her. By the way, I thought it was going to be Michonne when she was chopping up that Walker. I thought some Walker's just going to come and just we'll bite her right her. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I was on the edge of my seat then. Yeah. To go back, what you said too, the whispers do camouflage themselves mm-hmm. amongst the dead, but they don't eat. But they don't eat. They don't. They're, could not, be they're not cannibalistic. But I, I, so, I feel as if he's leaving. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. You know, for sure. Yeah, because they just, um, you know, they kind of uh, foreshadowed the whole episode with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he looked back at the uh, Enid note of the "Just Survive" somehow. Yeah, he did. He wrote yeah. a note to his dad, and you know, uh, he just has like all these anguished looks on yeah. his face, like oh. And there was all these like hero moment shots throughout the entire episode too where you're kind of looking back at him like they actually shot I I think they shot it in a different I think those epic shots of him when the bombs are going off are shot in anamorphic widescreen 4k it's different than the Oh really? It's, it's, shot, it's shot differently. Yeah, oh. just to show the more dramatic effect they use yeah. that type of lens or something. But um, but I mean, essentially, he, he his plan comes through so far. Mm-hmm. Every he gets everybody out of harm's way and gets them into the sewer system, which was kind of a genius move. Remind me of Terminator. Yeah, everybody thinks like oh, beginning like, of Terminator just, when they're all like down there. Right, because uh, Daryl and everybody mm-hmm. ran out the back and. Uh, you know, they already radioed into Negan, like, hey, they ran out the back, we're going to go chase them. So yeah. when they do storm in, they're thinking, oh, everybody did escape. Yeah. You know, um, and there's like a brief, a brief fist fight between Negan and, and Rick. And, yeah. Uh, Rick okay, yeah. A seal. really poorly lit fight, too. Yeah. It was, it was so, so dark. fast. It was dumb, dude. Come on. It was too quick. God, man. They, like, you know, like the thing is, too, is like, they just seem like they should be friends. You know what I mean? Like, they're both leaders. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, 
they both are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Maybe some of the, you know, I mean, like it is true. You always bring it up there. I mean, like we always look at Rick like he's the hero. He's done some bad shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's just the thing that's cool about the show is you're able to like look at different people's POVs and see like you know what's going on. But the one well, thing I didn't see though was Alexander being destroyed like that. Okay, Google, stop. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, the way that it shook out, the way when I rewatched it, it made a lot of sense. So, basically, the saviors were like, "All right, we're going to allow." What are they using to blow up too, like grenade launchers? Yeah, I think so. I think they raided a you know a compound or or stash they didn't tell nobody about, didn't tell Dwight about. Yeah, where they wherever Mm -hmm. they had, uh, you know, when the outbreak first happened, you had all Mm -hmm. these different army reserves saying, "Hey, we have this level uh, protected." They could have easily gotten their hands on that stuff and just kind of stockpiled it, but. uh, the hilltop, they're going to leave them to produce. They're going to continue to produce for them, for everybody. They're going to live yeah, at the Maggie? kingdom. Oh, my God. The Simon the Simon and Maggie scene was probably my favorite throughout the entire episode. Just that whole Simon's interaction. The best. When he catches them on the road Simon. and he's like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. We're reintroducing ourselves and yeah, you know, someone's going to die. So cocky. Steven maybe Hawks Jerry will, but we mm-hmm. don't really know. Uh, and he's like, you know what? I got this handle. And he pops Neil in the back of the seat. He's like, yeah, because I want you to smell it on the way home. Yeah. I want you to remember this. I'm like, oh, man. That would have made everybody so in the car good. deaf. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't be able to hear shit. No, no. But then Maggie turns it right around. I was like, all right, yeah. we're going to kill see one of the that I didn't see Maggie executing one of the right? saviors, you know? And he leaves a note. Like, we have mm-hmm. 38 more, so back down. It's like, I love I love I, the way her character is Does Negan know that the Hilltop has prisoners? I don't think they... I don't think they know, no. They don't know. Because they, they, they might have just assumed they're all dead. They got killed from That's the outpost. So. I don't think Negan would care, though. Negan would be like, whatever. Go no, ahead. He doesn't. Do, no. Because they're, they're his soldiers. So Speaking he of which, expects his soldiers uh, on a die. quick tangent, I read that uh, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is interested in pursuing. There's a Flash Thomas, movie that comes out in a couple Thomas years. Wayne. It'll be Thomas Wayne, which is an alternate version of Batman. Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Batman would be killer, dude. I can see that. Especially, like, you know, early 50s style, like, which, like, Bruce's dad is kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I just, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a great actor. I, yeah. I want more Negan, man. Yeah. Negan was only on this first eight episodes, maybe what, maybe three times, four times, tops? Half, uh, I half loved those him episodes. this episode, for sure. I was great. Yeah, yeah he's great. I love when uh, Michonne's reaction when he you hear him whistling. whistling, but then the bat against, yeah. it's the bat that you hear yeah. first, and you're just like, oh, shit. Even oh, Daryl, man. Daryl turns around. You know, comment on Daryl real quick. Norman Reedus' character. Um, I... I I just don't see anything. Like, it's just... It's a dude with hair that needs to be pulled behind his ear. Like, it, you know, there's no... We haven't found out anything about him since he went back to the moonshine. You know what I mean? Like, uh, before... Um, you know when they go back to his dad's yeah, house? Yeah, him and Beth, yeah. Like, we haven't had a Daryl moment like that in a really long time where we yeah. get to just, like, find out a little bit more of his psyche, you know? Yeah. And I want that, because it's just, like, he's just the... He, he's just the cool guy now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, standing in heroic pose. Yep. Like... No, he hardly has any dialogue. No. Um, yeah, and it's like, it's like, like runting, you know, like, but people I, love him though. The women love him. That's I just feel like all his decisions uh, throughout last season and this season have just gotten the rest of the group. Which leads me to believe that they may be gearing up to get rid of him as well. And, you know, know, Rick may have to, imagine Rick having to take out Daryl. I don't, yeah, I don't know that they'll do that. <laughs> I mean, Gimple is capable of anything, man. Did you watch The Talking Dead afterwards? Yeah, and that's what bothered me. He was very vague about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Carl got bit, and it's going to play out just like how people get bit. It's, but there, he didn't say it like that. Though. He's like, it's going to play out yeah. like a bite does. And yeah. like, he's like the guy sitting there like rubbing his hands together like Austin Powers, super villain. You know what I mean? Like, dude. Yeah. 
Oh, God, he irritates the shit out of me. And, like, look, as a writer, I, I find that the show, that's the one thing that I think that the show, Look, all the characters are great. You can do so many different things with them, but the writing needs to be on par. The decision for me to have the first episode one through eight be all out war the whole time, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. And, like, it's weird that they did that because I think they did that as an answer to last season's lackluster performance. And now the ratings are suffering even more. Uh, the mid-season premiere, I think, scored like 3.4 million viewers, which is like, you know, an all-time like low for them or something like that. But still, it's like the number one TV show out there. I don't see it lasting more than two seasons. Yeah, I think uh, based on the comments that um, Carl Papa's dad put on there was that, you know, Scott had made references that we would want him on the show for the next three years. And to me, that meant season yeah. eight, season nine, and season ten. That's it. That would be three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we've discussed it last time. I think with the if, if, they, if they follow true to uh, the story of the comic and they introduce the Whisperers, mm-hmm. uh, that could stretch for two seasons. Mm-hmm. And it would be entertaining as long as they don't, like – as long as Scott doesn't get in there and try to meddle too much with yeah. it. Uh, one of the things I did enjoy too is that a lot of the dialogue that uh, Negan has mm-hmm. is true to the comic. Like other than the lack of fucks oh, yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. Because it's TV. You've, you've seen the alternate lot. versions on, on YouTube where he does yeah, get yeah, a chance yeah. to use F word. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of the dialogue is exactly mm-hmm. how, how he speaks. He's you know? killer. Yeah, and he's he killer. He delivers it very well. You know, and he's, mm-hmm. his character's just like that in the comic. Pee so. Pants City. Yeah, uh, that I mean, like it's so weird that like one of the greatest TV characters, you know, villains comes out, and it's not, you know, it, there's not like multiple people watching the show, you know. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. a weird thing because it's like, you know, when a show goes on that long, we spoke about Dexter last week about you know how that is like really tapered off in a bad way. I don't want that to happen with The Walking Dead. Yeah. If I was AMC, I would just be like, look, the the, the the viewership's going down. We need to change. We need to change the writer. They've, they've changed it before. Yeah. Um, you know, Frank Darabont was uh, the series co- creator, co-creator, whatever, and, like, he, he left. TV shows do it all the time. Yeah, the you Glenn, know what I mean? Glenn Mazzaro you know what? Right I'd go out and get the guy. I'd, I mean, I'd go out and get, like, um, shit, i get the guy that wrote, like, The Shield, whatever his name is, or, like... Even the guy, the guy who wrote the wire. Like, can you imagine like David the walk? Yeah, like that'd be killer. You know, like yeah. because like you know, like, and I I was thinking about this too. I never never said it, but like last year, I think I was saying a lot to you. I want to see more episodes where we see all the characters at once, not just one centralized yeah. episode. And now we are doing it. And yeah. I gotta say, I don't. I, it doesn't really work for me when yeah. we, you know, jump into the car. You know, for a conversation with Enid, and then we go to Oceanside real quick and just pop somebody off. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work. It doesn't resonate, you know? Right. And you want to feel these things. Like, the top t- TV shows that we talked about the beginning of the show, like, those shows, man, like, from start to finish, like, you feel it, you know? Oh, yeah. Big Little Lies, man. You're in that. Mm-hmm. You're in that family drama. But um, before we wrap up uh, episode 150, pre- so your prediction is that he is dead. Yeah, I think Carl, you know, Carl was bit. Carl's going to die. Uh, they're definitely going to uh, drag it out another episode for him to see, you know, say goodbyes and have the mourning of his loss and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how they uh, how they handle that and how they deal with him uh, being bitten and uh, going forward. You know, do they – because he was ready to sacrifice himself to Negan. Like if Negan would have reached out and popped him off, like he was like, yeah. Because he even says like, yeah, I'm going to die anyway. So He might have known. Oh, well, yeah. I'm going to take the other side. Yeah. I'm going to say, and this will be fun because when we come back, you know, in, in February, we'll find out, obviously. But I am going to say that Gimple did it again. And I'm going to okay. say that the okay. sickness and the sweatness and the paleness yeah. that Carl is experiencing is the same thing that Father Gabriel is experiencing mysteriously. Okay. I think they're both sick. Yeah. I think he just happened to get bit by one of those whispers. Huh. 
And I, I, I just don't like. Where does Rick Grimes go? Yeah, like Judith is still alive, right? The kid, yeah. the other girl's Judith, alive. Yeah, in Judith. the book, she gets popped real quick. Oh, she's you dead. Know, with yeah, Lori, like at, outside yep. the gates. Mm-hmm. It's, Some it's people Lori need to speculate that Carl's died. role in issues one, whatever, up to one seventy four, yeah, will be now Judith. But like, look, I mean, like. Some people were like, well, he cut his hair. Like, this is classic, classic Gimple, man. I thought, you know, I thought, uh, you know, Glenn was dead in that dumpster, man. I was like, yeah. there's no way he's going to walk out from that. Yeah. And I remember, like, people were like, no, Bob, you should see there's a torso that's, like, just above his. It's not his. It's the other dude's body. It's his clothing. And, like, I was like, whatever. That ain't true. Yeah. So I got to go on the other side of the fence and I got to be the speculator. Okay. Just saying, like, that, you know, there's got to be some sort of surprise. Yeah. Um, First off, um, before like you know, The Walking Dead, like look, I, I love it. It's guilty pleasure. I'm gonna watch it till it ends without doubt. Like I did Dexter. I just hope when we come back, we start to you know move the story along. Stop with all the weird action sequences that feel like they're out of like a late night yeah. movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, once again, 150 episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what a true pleasure to come uh, at you each week with something new, something exciting, something fresh. Definitely come out to the Grape Room December 22nd, offering free admission if you bring a Toys for Tot, a bunch of bands, a bunch of surprises, a bunch of Bobcast Illuminati going down that evening. Um, on a personal note, it's been great having you back on the show. It's been great reconnecting with Kevin. Kevin and I were uh, really good friends in the early 90s, uh, even up in the graduation. Had a little like, separation there for a couple years, but I'm glad you're back in the lounge with me, brother. Give me a pound. Hey-o! My name's Bob. This has been the 150th episode of... Bobcast. Bobcast.